Welcome everyone, I'm Reba Sparrow, and today we get all wrapped up in San Francisco on the Mystery Box Show podcast. Today's story is such a delight, and I think I say this about every story that we feature. I say this story is one of my favorite stories, but they're just so good. I don't want to give away too much, but I do want to speak to one of the reasons I like this story so much, besides the content and what happens in it, is that the person telling it is such a multifaceted person. He expresses in the story his day job and then also his night job. Not that they're conflicting personalities. To him, they're not conflicting. And to me, they're not conflicting either. And I think that's the beauty of it. And the fact that he's just unabashedly like, yep, I do this and I do this is something really wonderful that he has really embraced and something that I think is a really great role model. I'm going to let the story seep into your ear holes. So please welcome Karina Borealis. I was standing on the corner waiting for the light to turn green in the Castro District of San Francisco. The sun was bright and the sky was blue and the rainbow flags were lazily drifting in the spring breeze. I looked around at the eight or so people standing around me, all waiting for that light to turn green. And I realized in one quick moment that we all could be perceived as gay. Mm. (laughs) And this was a really big deal for me because I grew up in central Pennsylvania where I always understood my queerness as something that was other, as something that was wrong, as something that I needed to feel shame about. Never could I have ever imagined that I would be in a very simple space, like a crosswalk, and be surrounded by people that are exactly like me, gay. And in that moment, I realized that all of the shame that I have ever felt was just a story that was written for me, but not by me. I thought that here in San Francisco, surrounded by a community that was my own, I might be able to rewrite that story in my own hand. Because I was in San Francisco for the first time. I was on spring break from teaching kindergarten. (laughs) And after hosting a potluck where I just sang (laughs) B-I-N-G-O to all of my students' parents, I quickly dashed to the airport for a much-needed slutcation. I'm going to say that word one more time. (laughs) Slutcation. (laughs) So I'm in San Francisco, and I do not know a single person in the city, but with one scruff message, and I'm just going to take a poll, raise your hand. Who knows what scruff is? Okay, like none of you. Cute. (laughs) 
so Scruff is just, is not actually anything like Tinder. It's like a grid with people's profiles. And this is absolutely not a plug or sponsorship for Scruff because I kind of hate it. But um, it's kind of like a dating site, except no one's dating off of it. We're only just fucking each other. So if your friends are telling you otherwise, they're lying. So, with one scruff message, the sails to my ship SS Destiny were set because this message gave me the location of a private screening of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> and with three secret knocks on a door, I was admitted entrance into a very private screening that was filled with all of the most celebrated performers in San Francisco. And by most celebrated performers, I mean drag queens. And by drag queens, I mean just a ton of fun. Because after the screening, I went out with them and it was just a lot of tongue, 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 talking, where, which also is understood as a um, kihi, for those of you that I don't know. <laughs> And with a mix of talking, I'm telling them how I'm also a performer and I'm here in their city for the first time. And we're talking about art and we're talking about drag and we're talking about relationships, we're talking about life. And one thing leads to another and I'm bent over someone's kitchen counter and I'm getting shoved with his 10 inch dick and it's amazing. <laughs> and also I land my first performance in San Francisco, which gives me the opportunity to say that I am now a traveling performer, which is a dream that I've wanted in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. And so it is Monday night in San Francisco. And that doesn't sound that cool because we live in Portland where nothing happens on Monday nights. But Monday nights in San Francisco are fucking lit. <laughs> Because I'm at the powerhouse, and the powerhouse is this... Oh. <laughs> yeah? Yes. Okay, cool. So that might just have cut off five minutes of my story, because some people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> cool. Um, so I'm at the powerhouse, and the powerhouse is an old-school... Um, anything goes gay bar on Folsom Street. And if you don't know what Folsom Street is, Folsom Street is historically <laughs> where all of the cruising for leather boys and daddies happened in the 70s and 80s. Um, and the powerhouse specifically was a bar that is known for sexual intentions because it, um, in its heyday was a whorehouse before it became a leather bar in the 70s and then transitioned into an anything goes gay bar um, around 96. And so at this point, the bar has posters up and mixed all of the um, illustrations of like rock hard leather daddies shooting cum everywhere. Um, <laughs> And all these posters say that you are absolutely not allowed to have any sex, whether it be oral or anal. Now, if these walls could talk, they would tell you otherwise because those rules are only slightly enforced sometimes. And they're only enforced mainly because some people like enforcement. <laughs> So it's Monday night at the powerhouse. 
And I am doing my first performance in a city that I don't know. And to give you like a little idea of what I do, I um, perform as an intergalactic post-Buto drag creature. And if you don't know what that is, it's fine. You can talk to me later. And I get off the stage after my performance and this man comes up to me and he gives me one of the best compliments I've ever received in my entire performance career. And I'm gonna start calling this man Sir. And I knew that his name was Sir because he came up to me and he was about 5'10". He had rugged muscles and he had the beginning of a spring tan going. His face was covered in salt and pepper beard and a short salt and pepper buzz cut. And he was very casually dressed except for the leather cap that he was wearing. <laughs> and it was because of that that I knew that his name was Sir. <laughs> and Sir looked at me and he said, you would give Iggy Pop a run for his money. Oh. I know. And I looked at him and I said, and then he walked away. <laughs> and I immediately dropped into this like kindergarten teacher persona where I'm just like hyper analyzing what the hell just happened. And what the hell just happened in my mind was that why the hell is it that as a performer, people think that they can come up to you and just throw a compliment at you and then quickly run away? It's like, I'm a human. I will talk to you too. And if you want to adore me, I love it. <laughs> I'm a performer. I'm doing it for validation. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to my life. Secondly, I was just like, oh, this is how it goes. This hot leather daddy has no interest in talking to a fucking drag queen, whatever. And then I'm like, actually, he just gave me one of the best compliments of my entire life. Shut the fuck up. And I realized, I'm like, I'm here for my selection. Stop analyzing, stop being your kindergarten teacher. Go talk to him. Woo! Yeah? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, I find him at the bar. And I offer to buy him a drink with one of my drink tickets because I'm a kindergarten teacher, hi. <laughs> and he says yes. And then I start chatting him up. And I'm like leaning on the bar. And I'm leaning on the bar because I'm sticking my ass out. And the reason I'm sticking my ass out is because I'm only wearing these heels and a holographic jock strap, which I'm also wearing under these, so if you want to see it later, let me know. And a mesh white flowy shirt. And I can tell that he's like looking at me and I'm leaning on the bar and I'm like chatting him up and I'm touching his shoulder and his elbow and he might like squeeze my butt once or twice because this is just what we do. And I let him know that I'm not a stranger to dungeons and I've had a master or two before and I like get leather even though I'm like literally covered head to toe in glitter right now. <laughs> and then he looks at me and he says, I think you might be really interested in this scene. And I'm like, oh yeah. 
And he explains to me this scene, and I am salivating. I'm like, oh my God, I've never heard of such a thing. It sounds amazing. I'm so excited. And he says, yeah, maybe you'll find a master in Portland that'll do this for you. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, cool. Okay, fine, we're good at it. But we're still there and we're still chatting and, you know, like the bartender gets busy and we move away from the bar and we're like standing in the middle of the room and we're still talking and I'm like, wow, this is like kind of going well. And then they make last call and he looks at me and sir says, so what are you doing tonight? And I look at him and I think for a moment, I'm like, it's Monday night. It's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm in San Francisco. Like, what the fuck am I doing right now? <laughs> I'm supposed to be in bed so I can teach children the next day. Alas, I'm in San Francisco. And I look at him and I say, nothing. And he says, do you want to come back to my dungeon and do that scene? <laughs> and I say, yes. <laughs> So I quickly go put a pair of pants on and grab my drag brag and I like say goodbye to the people that I don't know. <laughs> and I follow him out the bar. And we walk down the street and so we're walking down Folsom and he's explaining to me that he has the only private dungeon left on Folsom Street. And he said that in the heyday of when he was living there in the 80s, that on, even on a Monday night, you could walk down Folsom and it would just be this space of like people cruising and sucking and sweating and fucking. But alas, we live in a tech industry city where none of that exists anymore. It's just a bunch of high rises and bullshit. So we get back to his dungeon and he lets me in. And it's one of the most beautiful dungeons I've ever seen. It's not like one of those weird, creepy dungeons where like this dude like used to have a lot of fucking awesome sex and instead it's now like a storage facility for his businesses that didn't work out. No. <laughs> That's another true story, I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> instead, it's like red walls with black trim. There are framed posters of Tom of Finland artwork. There's a St. John's cross. There's a throne. There's a sex sling. There's candles. And he drops me off in the dungeon. And he leaves. And I drop my bag and I drop my coat. And I'm nervous as fuck. And I feel like I'm gonna vomit. And then he comes back into the room and he is now wearing all leather and he's holding a beer. And he doesn't offer me a beer. He's just drinking a beer. And then we start talking and he's telling me about him. And I'm telling him about me. And it's this moment where all of a sudden we're looking at each other and we're seeing beyond this persona that we built in a bar. And we have this ability to drop those characters and just exist within each other's world. And he's telling me 
the most amazing stories about how he came out of the war and moved to San Francisco. And this was the only place in, throughout the 80s that he could actually be actively gay. And he was part of the old guard leather scene and how that coexisted within the whole gender spectrum of like understanding hypermasculinity and how he has trained thousands of subs in his life and all of those subs are now dead due to the AIDS crisis. And he looks at me and he says, I haven't done this scene in years. And I look at him and I say, well, do you want me to take my drag off? Because I was full beat. And when I do a full beat, I look like an intergalactic creature. I have like a purple contour with a silver face. I'm covered in glitter. And I have white eyeballs with eyelashes that are white and are as long as my forehead. I am creepy, I am terrifying, and to some people, I am very sexy. <laughs> and he looks at me and he says, I'm gonna break one of my rules because I only play with other boys, but I want you to be in drag for this scene. And I say, okay, and he says, take your clothes off. And it's like a switch has flipped. We are no longer chatting, we are in it. So I take my clothes off and he says, leave your socks on. And of course you always leave your socks on because if your feet get cold, then it's all over. <laughs> but what's funny is that my socks are holographic and have like a toe in them. So they look like I have little reindeer feet. It's really cute. <laughs> And so I get naked, and he is fully clad in his leather, and he puts his beer down, and he leads me over to his sex thing, and he puts me inside of it. And then he gets a roll of saran wrap out. And he starts saran wrapping my legs together. And he starts saran wrapping my legs, and he says, you are changing, you are growing, you are manifesting. You are changing, you are growing, you are manifesting. And he goes from my ankles, over my shins, over my knees, over my thighs. And he says, you are changing, you are growing, you are manifesting. And he leaves my dick and my ass exposed and he goes over my torso and he binds it really tight. And he goes over my hips and my stomach and my chest. And he says, you are changing, you are growing, you are manifesting. He goes over my arms and my shoulders, over my neck. He goes over my face and he leaves just a slit from my nose and my mouth. And he says, you are changing, you are growing, you are manifesting. And now he's, it's over my face. And I'm looking through the saran wrap and all I see is like flickering red light. And I think, wow, this is what Christians think hell is like. <laughs> and I am so here for it. <laughs> and then I hear this pool of duct tape. And he starts duct taping my ankles and he duct tapes my legs 
and he duct tapes my knees and he's saying, you're changing, you are growing, you are manifesting. And he goes over my thighs and he leaves my dick and my ass exposed. And he goes over my hips and chest and it's really tight and it's really hot and I can feel the sweat starting to break onto my skin. It has nowhere to go because it's just hitting plastic. And he's saying you are changing, you are growing, you are manifesting. And he gets over my chest and over my arms and over my face and all of a sudden, I have this moment where I go, wow, I'm in the dungeon of a strange man <laughs> that I met two hours ago in a city where I don't know a single person and I didn't tell anybody where I was going. <laughs> I could die tonight. <laughs> and I need to be okay with that. Because, <laughs> because I'm wrapped in duct tape and this man just gifted me all of this amazing experience. And I, the only thing that I could do in that moment was either freak the fuck out and not have anything, or I could just let go and trust this man and be given everything. And so this duct tape is over my face. I can't see a goddamn thing. I can't even hear him anymore. And I'm just swaddled in this compression of like tightness and my skin is sweating and it has nowhere to go and I'm just floating and I'm breathing hard and all of a sudden this like psychedelic experience starts happening where I'm like this is what it means to be in an embryo. I am floating, I am sticky, I am hot and by trusting this man I also feel this like impermanent love. And then he grabs my raging hard cock and he starts slowly jacking me off. And then he starts penetrating me in the asshole. And I could not tell you if it was his dick, if it was his finger, if it was a toy. I have no idea. But as a very slutty bottom, I'll let you know that it doesn't matter. Just put something in me and it will get me off. <laughs> And so, I'm embryonic, I am <laughs> getting penetrated, and my dick is being serviced, and I am just really experiencing what it means to be like down in my roots, where nothing exists in reality except for my genitalia, and it is magic. I am like seeing colors. I am seeing light. It is like a synesthetic experience. And the only real physical thing that truly happens is when I start feeling my explosive orgasm splashing over my plastic covered chest. And it is so hot that if I could have just kept orgasming, I absolutely would have. And in that moment, I was like, this is exactly what love feels like. 
And so, I don't know, some, like time passes or whatever. <laughs> I am just this like blob floating in the non-existence. And then whatever, he starts cutting me out. And I can feel this like sawing. He's down at my feet and he's cutting me. And I hear this like murmur happening, but I'm like kind of in intergalactic realms and my face is covered in plastic and duct tape. And <laughs> who knows, he could have been saying anything at that point. And I would have been putty in his hands because I absolutely was. And he's cutting through my feet and he gets to my knees and he gets to my chest. And after he gets past my chest, he puts the scissors in my hands. And he says, okay, now you have to get yourself out. And so I do, I like maneuver myself to be able to cut this plastic and this duct tape away. And all the while I'm doing this, he's still muttering something. And I finally get over my face and he stands me up and it's like, I have never seen a person in my entire life. And I feel the cold air of his dungeon hitting my sopping wet skin. And I feel every pore in my body open to take this big breath in. And he looks at me and he says, out of all the Earth's creatures, I am the most free. And then he looks at me again and he says, no, you say it. And I knew in that moment that this wasn't something I couldn't do. Like if I didn't say it, like I would be in that moment forever. I had to say this. I had to acknowledge that this happened. And I looked at him and I said, out of all the Earth's creatures, I am the most free. And then he hugged me. And that hug was one of the most important hugs that I've ever had in my entire life because it was the first time that somebody in a completely male-expressing body as a true like, hyper-masculine person stood there and acknowledged me fully as everything that I am. And then he let me go, and we did our aftercare, and I put my clothes back on, and we continued talking afterward. And then he looked at me and he said, so I have this rule where if a boy wants to stay over, he has to sleep in the dungeon. And I looked at him and I said, well, I have this rule <laughs> that I don't go to sleep in drag, so I'm gonna take a car home. And he said, okay. And he's like, so I'm gonna break another one of my rules. And he said, I'm gonna give you my number. And he said, I don't have a computer. I don't have a cell phone. And he left and he had got a piece of notebook paper and he wrote his number down and he ripped it off and he handed it to me. I called a car and I waited for it outside and 
like the sir that he absolutely is. He waited with me. And then I got in a car and I left. And the sun was rising over San Francisco. And my driver looked through the rear view mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, have a good night. <laughs> And I looked at that lined paper in my hand, and I thought, I came here for a slutcation. I came here to just like get the fuck away from everything in my life. And instead, I was given this amazing, life-changing gift that I would have never expected. Because this man, this random leather daddy in a random bar in San Francisco gave me the gift that I needed. He rebirthed me so that I would be able to begin writing my own story. That was Karina Borealis, everyone. Wow. And isn't that true that we create stories about ourselves and just accept it as fact, accept it as truth? This is what happened to me. Therefore, this is what I am. This is what someone said about me. Therefore, that is true. This is how people judge me. Therefore, I live my life accordingly. And it really is about deciding what you want to do, being receptive and following your instincts, following dare I say, your bliss. What I was talking about before the story was that Karina is a kindergarten teacher. And I think society probably paints that picture in a very stereotypical light, what a quote unquote wholesome kindergarten teacher is supposed to look like. And I love that Karina just expresses, hey, yeah, I'm a kindergarten teacher. I love it. And I'm very kinky and queer. And those things don't have to be mutually exclusive. And even like I said, there are so many beautiful points to this story. But that one for me, even though it's not necessarily outspoken in the story or even quite mentioned, that's the message that I received deepest from this story eloquently told, beautiful. I really encourage you to check out Karina Borealis on all of his avenues, which we'll have for you in the show notes because he's just an incredible artist. He also wanted us to let you know about his fitness instruction and personal training services at studios all across Portland. His focus is to create a safe space for queer, trans, and non-binary folks to move in. And you can learn all about that at Karina's Instagram, Karina.Borealis. And let us know what you thought about Karina's story. You can get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, or email. All of the links are at mysteryboxshow.com. You can also pitch your story to us, and you may end up on one of our live stream shows or right here on the podcast. Directions for how to pitch a story are at mysteryboxshow.com. 
We'll have those links in the show notes as well. You can support us on patreon.com slash mysteryboxshow, where you can interact with us on an even more personal basis. Plus, get early access to all of our podcast episodes and YouTube videos for as little as $5 a month. Our music comes from our good friend Farnell Newton and the Other Ship Connection. Our audio engineer is Greg Keenan at Sound Minion Studios in Longmont, Colorado. Thanks to our production assistant, Nicole Perkins, my co-producer, Eric Scheuer. I'm your mistress of ceremonies, Reba Sparrow. On our next episode, dancing naked on stage requires some prep work. Straight to the dressing room, pulling on these thigh-high black plastic red stitched leg avenue boots that I had gotten from Goodwill and patched with American flag duct tape sort of like tiptoeing up to the DJ booth. And of course he asks me, so you know, what's, what's your name? And I'm like, Cam. Fuck, I didn't think of a stripper name. Um, tune in next time on the Mystery Box Show podcast. <laughs>